Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. Thank you, Dick Warren, the voice of Dick Warren. Uh, and welcome, our dear listeners. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, because you have to say it that way. Here in uh, the studio, I'm, uh, can, Alex, can you tell I'm in a new, I'm in a new uh, part of my office here? Do I look more loungy? It looks like very therapeutic. Like the couch, yeah, the couch behind you looks like you're supposed to lay down on it. The, the waves behind you is very serene and peaceful. Do you do you feel like you would like to lay down and talk about some things? Some of your emotional I feel like this blocks is just inappropriate. <laughs> wow. Just ask me to lay down on your couch. I'm, that that would be the voice of Alex Terranova, <laughs> PCC, professional certified coach. And Alex, you're also the author of Fictional Authenticity, the host of the Dream Mason podcast, and um, a creator of the Dream Mason. You can find out more about Alex by going to the Dream Mason, M A S O N, dot com anything you want the people to know i see that you're show, showing your fictional authenticity tattoo today <laughs> uh no i wasn't purposely showing that off i was just moving some things around uh no i'm um i think uh you know i I'll hear i guess the thing i wish that i could share is with everything that's happened with the pandemic and, and politics and i want to say heightened stress i've had to purposely go back to basics for my self-care and I noticed that a lot of people have self-care breakdowns, like, yeah. I think, you know, and I have had to personally, and I'm sharing this because I think it's important for people to remember, like, we can go back to basics. I've had to go back to basics and start meditating every day and make sure I'm getting enough water and enough sleep and just like simple things so that I can show up and be the person I want to be, you know, on podcasts and with clients. And at first it was hard to do that because I was like, oh, I'm beyond that. I've been doing that stuff. That stuff was, but I, I needed the foundation again. And this pandemic kind of drew that out. Such a great r reminder. And I'm, I'm struck recently, I've been talking to people who have been going through what we might consider to be relatively normal things. You know, somebody who was engaged to be married um, uh, broke up during their engagement, right? And it seems, is it me or does it seem like normal-ish things like that, things that normally would be you know, serious, but we all know that with some support we can get through. Do they seem like harder and more, more pointed during this? Yeah, I, I, that's how I, that's how I feel. That's, that's what started, what got me noticing it was um, not enough sleep, which before would have just been something I could power through was detrimental. Um, fights, relationship fights, or with my parents or whoever, friends, all of a sudden were like magnified. It was like everything was on steroids. Yeah, really well said. Yeah, that's my experience too. Well, let's get uh, to it. There's not much um, to talk about in the, in the uh, conference world, although uh, TEDx here in San Diego, TEDx has been having a, a little resurgence here after seven oh, years of being dormant. And they... <laughs> Denzel, we can hear your partner uh, setting you up with some with some beverages there. Um, I not not oh, me. Oh, it wasn't. Oh, that was Adam. Oh, our tech guy came in and did that. I, That's I, I've taken I've taken him out. He's he's I've muted him. He's taken out. We're good. <laughs> Forgive me, Denzel, for assuming that something else was happening. I'll do something house. else. I'll do something else. <laughs> Thanks. Well, that voice. Without further ado, I was, I was just going to say that we're sort of through the conference thing, but I'm excited that TEDx uh, San Diego and some of the other um, things, uh, you know conferences and opportunities to learn online are, are ramping up or even better than before. So encouraging people not only to get back to basics, as you said, but also to remember that there's a whole world out there of information and including us, and we're grateful that you're here, but keep looking around. All right, shall we get to it? Our guest today for the entire show is Denslow Brown, also a master certified coach, also a master trainer, and the founder of Coach Approach Training, the Institute for Applied Coaching, which is an ICF accredited coach training program, 1970s pioneer of professional organizing, organizing, organizing is a whole different thing, and productivity field, Denslow turned to coaching in the 1990s to support lasting change for her clients. Um, Denslow, I want to invite you to uh, share however you identify and whatever you want the people to know about you. 
Uh, I identify, I mean, like I identify as a, a woman born woman and, um, and, a, and a master certified coach and, and a lesbian and an adult with ADHD and a new widow. And, um, and I'm 70 years old. Is that what you meant? That kind of identify? Exactly right. Yeah, I'm learning yeah, okay. uh, that uh, inviting people to self-identify is probably a good move mm -hmm. these days. And I'm so mm -hmm. uh, sorry for your loss. And thank you so much for sharing so beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, look around outside. Uh, where do you find yourself today? I'm in the Ozarks Mountains. I live uh, in a very rural area on a land trust, an environmentally protected land trust. I'm on a hilltop on uh, my 40 acres in the middle of 300 acres. And it is, you know, blue skies with big fluffy white clouds and a view that goes all the way to Arkansas. It's really now pretty I, here. I have to know what county that is. Douglas County. Oh, yeah. my, uh, my folks retired to Stone County with oh, yeah, Galena. That's right, mm -hmm. Galena, yeah. the the heart yeah. of Stone County. Well, um, thank you so much for being with us. Our topic today and your area of expertise is embracing neurodiversity. I think that Alex and I probably agree. The first question is, what is neurodiversity? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm going to just clarify just because this is a, I just presented this at ACTO, which is how you found me. And this is the first time I presented a whole session on neurodiversity. I don't mm. claim to be an expert, particularly, although I've been involved in it for a long time. Uh, but I do really think the coaching field needs to pay more attention to it. And so I just decided to step up uh, and do it. So, and do that. So it is, uh, it is, it, neurodiversity is a term that embraces the idea that there are a real range of differences in human brain functioning and behavioral traits, and that these are normal variations in the human population. In other words, we can see the human population as having a lot of diverse brains, maybe what we think of as non-conventional thinkers, uh, and that that's normal, right? That that's uh, great. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, sometimes Alex and I get our, <laughs> we're both waiting for well, the other. Well, I, I was like, I mean, I was thinking, well, the first thing I thought, and I'm sorry if this was like, well, isn't that obvious? Everything about us is different. Wouldn't our brains be, wouldn't our brains be different just as much as our skin color or eye shades or our attitudes? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, yes, but but what happens is that there's some idea of what is uh, sort of the good normal or the functioning <laughs> normal. And, and then there are people who don't match up to that way of showing up. And it may be because of uh, a brain-based condition. It may just be different ways they, uh, different other things that are not really diagnosable issues or whatever. But, um, but there is a, a lot of prejudice and barriers to people who don't show up uh, neuro, uh, neurotypically. That's, a, that's sort of the other kind of new word in all this is neurotypical versus neurodiverse, right? A, a couple of times a year for the past 17, 18, 19 years now, I've uh, welcomed people on the show to talk about ADHD coaching. And even I'm old enough in the profession to remember a time that there were factions of ADHD coaches, you know, mm -hmm. that were at odds. And mm -hmm. is this born of the ADHD coaching sort of movement or position, or is this something different? No, I think it has a, in coaching, I think it's, it's, most strongly represented in the ADHD coaching subculture of coaching. I think that that's where you can find the expertise about it most easily because of kind of what's happened with adults with ADD and our, our ways of understanding who, who we are, who those people are. But this it's actually really strong in other, uh, in other ways, um, other Again, people like the people on the autism spectrum have a very strong uh, culture of being proud of how they're different and ways that they connect and bond like any other kind of common in minority, common interest group, right, that wants to say your standards are not mine and 
we think we're great the way we are. And yes, we're in a culture that doesn't understand or embrace that. So it shows up in a lot of different ways um, and not necessarily associated with mental health conditions. For example, there are people, uh, uh, I wrote a, a small book on processing modalities, partly because this I got into this when I was working to organize people, clients who were just great people, you know, but they struggled with kind of basic organizing functions and kept thinking, how can this person be so smart and so capable over there and have so much trouble, like just keeping their home office together over here or their garage or something. And, and I, it was a mystery as was how to engage them in developing behaviors that might, or habits, new habits or strategies. But what we were doing as in the organizing field was coming in with as people who love our favorite systems and 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 saying here's the way to set up a file system here's these this is the best way this is the best way to manage your time and the people who struggle with conventional strategies have non-conventional minds they think differently and we need to find solutions that work for them right so that was how i got started in it was wanting to learn how to be an organizer and for me that meant becoming a coach also who could unlock the strategies that really served clients who weren't wired in the ways that um the norm you know the kind of standard assumptions were so i hear there's the the i want to say diagnosable not standards like adhd or you know mm -hmm. maybe you can let us know some of the other not standards and then what I also hear is that there's things that maybe aren't diagnosable that are also non-standards. Yeah, and, exactly. And then how do we, like, how would me or Christopher know if we have, were the standard or not the standard? Because we just know <laughs> what we are, right? We don't, we wouldn't yeah. necessarily know unless somebody told us that yeah. it was different. Yeah. So example, so the book I wrote was on processing modalities and it had nine modalities and instead of like the standard, you know, three auditory, visual, kinesthetic. And one is, one is the verbal modality and it's it's kind of a complicated one because some people are strong in the spoken word word some people are really strong in comprehending the spoken word some are really good writers or good readers right so there's kind of four ways you can be strong verbally and some people are obviously strong in all of them whatever but there are people who speak a lot, who, who tend to talk a lot, right? Because they're verbally processing out loud. It's how they get to the clearest version of what they're trying to say, or it's how they figure out what they're trying to say. Now, that's not a diagnosable condition. It's like a social faux pas or something, right? Or, or annoying or charming, depending on how clever they are. But it's just a different way they're wired, right? It's, it's not a mental illness, it's just different. I appreciate that nuance. I hadn't thought about it as a modality, but I know that I'm one of those people, you know, I'm astonished sometimes by what comes out of my mouth, right? Like, wow, that was really good. I should write that down. Um, but at the same time, I know that, you know, if I sit down and try and write something, it's gonna be, you know, see Christiane run, run Christiane run, mm -hmm. right? It's not <laughs> the same sort of, brilliance doesn't seem to flow. And I appreciate so much the, the nuance. What does the benefit of sort of striking these nuances and making nine modalities, is it so that we can start to notice the distinctions of our gifts or is it more a deficit identifier? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think one way to look at coaching you know, it was simplistically is we're helping clients become more self-aware to know themselves better and know therefore then how to create the life they want, take action that works for them, right, in and behave in ways that out of their strengths. And so the modalities model is just one model. There's other strengths models that are valuable in different ways. This one is useful because it helps people understand how they process information, take it in or share it. And it's set up not only to look at whether you're uh, on one continuum, weak, competent, or gifted in a modality, right? But also to consider whether you're on a different continuum, whether you're hyposensitive, 
tolerant or hypersensitive. And so it's, it's, it's not science. I mean, there is, you know, all the modality stuff out there, they try to do science around it. It isn't really that convincing. It's sort of common sense, uh, I think, is a better way to think of it. And for me, these nine modalities are just helpful in helping people figure out how to function better. And they learn about themselves and can explain themselves better to other people. So this is not, this book is self-published. It isn't even on Amazon. I haven't even gotten it that far, although I wrote it a decade ago and I've revised it a couple of times, but it's, it is, um, I, you know, I get, I hear from my students or people I, uh, that get access to it and they say, you know, you saved my marriage. I can't believe this has annoyed me so much about my husband forever. And finally, I just understand it's how he's wired, right? Mm. And I can explain to him what I need or want uh, better. Do you remember the book Love Languages? Do you remember that one for yeah. love languages? Right. That's a that's a great example of just coming at modalities in a different way. Some people feel love because they're being touched, right? Or because they can touch easily. You know, they're allowed to touch without annoying the other person. Other people need the words. Other people need actions, right? It's yes, very, Alex. It, just kidding. Please keep going. <laughs> it's, it's just like that. Exactly. It's just being able to become aware of kind of what's in front of you. And, and, and as coaches, we're very familiar with that, with providing a space to help people understand who they are better. And so this term neurodiversity, this concept or perspective about people is really helpful because some of it, again, is unrelated to diagnosable conditions, but it gets in people's way in terms of uh, being understood in the workplace, perhaps, or being effective communicators or effective learners. And for other people, they do have a diagnosable condition, or they might if they got assessed and knew to get assessed. And so I think that a lot of people who are unaware of what's going on in their brain and why it's hard for them to function in the world come to coaches. Come to coaches because they think, I need to get a coach so I can get more productive. What they really don't get is that their brains are wired differently. And and sometimes coaches don't get that either. They're not they're they're hearing resistance or lack of motivation or lack of discipline or unwillingness, you know, someone who's not willing to commit to the coaching process when in fact it's something else. Hmm. I I feel Alex, do you have something? I don't want to step on you, but I don't want to wait for you. I, I have I have two things. You want me to bring you you I'll, let me Let's step talk out, about step, talking step, about step, stuff. Step out, of, step out of the way, Christopher. <laughs> um, the first one is, uh, what do coaches do? Like, how do coaches actually practice this? How do they, you know, I love that you just said an example of you have a client who may not be doing something or showing up and you're thinking the coaching is quote unquote working. And it might just be that, you know, they need a different love language uh, to use on them. <laughs> um, what does a coach do? Because how does a coach know this? And how, even the client might not even know this either. Mm -hmm. Well, one is to educate oneself about about the ways people show up, you know, the the ways people's brains show up differently and be open to listening through that lens. I mean, we're professional listeners, right? We're really good at listening. But if we aren't educated in a, around this kind of issue at all, we will become frustrated and hear the client as an not uncommitted, right? Uh, unwilling, not, not enthusiastic, not motivated. And, and so if we stop there, if we don't stay open to hearing a resistant client as, as thinking, what if something else is going on here, right? Um, there are between four and a half and 10% of the adult population in the U.S. are adults with ADHD, but less than 2% of them well, let me just say it this way, 80% of them are undiagnosed. They don't know they have ADD, right? Which is by definition, distractible, not focusing well, right? It's just not following through on actions, not getting the calendar right, not managing time well, right? All those things are the challenges. There's ways to scaffold for those things for people. But if you're hearing the client is just, uh, you know, not really bothering, not really caring. 
you know, you're just both operating in ignorance and the client comes out of it feeling like a, a loser again, like I just can't get my stuff together, right? So I think the, the first thing is people should read your book, The Processing <laughs> Modality Guide. That's the education well, that we that, that's the education that we need. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. It's not, it isn't the whole answer to neurodiversity, but it is a great, it's a really, in, it's kind of, I don't know, fun is kind of weird, but it's a really fun way to unlock. It's, it's pretty simple and straightforward to just go, oh my God, this is me over here. Who knew, you know, who, who knew um, that, this, that this was going on, that I'm like this, but this, that other people aren't, you know, that this matters to me in this way. It's, it's fun to realize. But we work with people's strengths all the time in coaching. We work with values and needs. We do DISC assessments. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we track people's strengths. And some of those tease out some of this also, certainly, differences among people. It's interesting. The, the real, uh, oh, go ahead. You go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that it's interesting, too, because it impacts the coach as much as the client. Uh, like, as, I'm, as you're talking and sharing, I'm thinking about how I think I'm a terrible coach when I'm sitting in a chair listening to someone with, like, a pen and paper in front of me. I think that my ability to coach dramatically changes if you let me pace around and you put like a ball or a bat in my hand, something I can like kind of flip around and play with and I can move around a space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, exactly. you know, I know that about myself. And mm -hmm. so I, when I'm working with clients and they'll say, well, can we do video? It's always an option, but I'll actually tell them honestly, hey, I think I'm a better coach when I'm able to move. And if I'm moving around on video, you're going to probably get very distracted. So I give them the option, right? Because they're the, I usually will you know, say to them like, hey, if you really want to be on video, if it would support this process, then I will do what I need to do to show yeah. up powerfully on video. And if it doesn't matter to you, I would love to do you know, just the phone yeah. because then it, it enables me to be my best. Uh, That's great. So two suggestions for you, neither of which, you know, might work because it's really, you're the one who knows. But, but I just have friends who are also very kinesthetic, who work better if they're moving. And the things they do as coaches are, uh, that work for them are uh, like a treadmill, standing treadmill, because they can stay in, in, in sight, right, with a standing mm -hmm. desk or a rocking chair. So two ways to get the body moving, but not need to be you know, uh, Interesting. A, a, as, you know, like walking around the house, which would be harder to do. Now, On the uh, other hand, I want to pick a Zoom, so I think it's great if you can talk people out of it. Yes, exactly. Zoom <laughs> fatigue. I do want to let everybody know that Accomplishment Media does not advocate using a rocking chair on a treadmill. No, no, that, that yeah, and nor do One I. Or the other. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so let's, t let's talk for a moment about I, I want to go back because I'm not clear that we've been clear about the mm -hmm. differences between, say, emotional issues, right, mental health issues, and brain-based issues. Mm -hmm. I love that you put it in terms of organizing, right? Some of us, I know that to to Alex's point, you know, not only do I have certain clients that I need to pace with when I'm with them, but also... Um, you know, I'm one of those people where my desk is always a mess. The thing that I need is never easily found, right? And yet, you know, I have scores of people that sort of follow me around and organize and file and, you know, clean off mm -hmm. my tables and things so that my horizontal surfaces aren't always filled. Now, I don't know that that would qualify under traditional diagnoses, or would it? Well, I don't your... know, because I'm not qualified to diagnose you based on anything because it's not it's a you know there's per particular professions that are that are the ones who get to diagnose anybody but um uh but i would support you in going for an assessment if you <laughs> if you wanted to find out um i would say i i think that it's uh it, there's another way i understand it that i think maybe would be helpful here and what in it and it is a, a different kind of um, continuum uh, of understanding brain differences or people with different kinds of brains. And one end of it is our neurodiverse, right? Normalizing end of the spectrum where we're saying people are different and they're all part of the human family and they all bring value. And, and I would add, you know, the 
culture isn't being respectful of them, there's maybe better ways to accommodate them, right? To make room for them to contribute in, and we'd benefit if we did that. The other end of the continuum is the, what I call the, or what is called the medical model, right? That's where people who struggle with the ways, suffer with the ways they don't, aren't able to show up in a normal, quote unquote, normal or uh, strongly functional way in our culture. That, that's where they go to be assessed and diagnosed. And some of those, some people with diagnosable mental health conditions are you know, are really suffering, are really impaired. It's really difficult. They're not in shape, perhaps, at all to, you know, be embraced for all their values and strengths because they're, they're in real trouble. They're suffering. They're really depressed. They're really anxious, whatever, right? Um, so it's useful to think of, you know, what's the, what's the understanding an individual ha has or what's the journey they need to go on if they are in fact living with a brain that is really hard for them, it may be hard because the culture isn't making space for them, but it may just be hard because it's really hard to be, again, depressed or anxious or unfocused, right? So, so there's a journey that a person can take from a diagnosis, which is another kind of really valuable knowledge about who you are and how your brain works, right? Understanding of that certainly stronger than understanding your modalities probably, right? Uh, and the journey to what I would call managing your brain health well so that you can show up and be respected as this neurodiverse person, right? That's a, that's a big journey. It's, it includes getting properly diagnosed. It includes possibly getting on medication if medications work for you you know, the ones that are available. And it includes learning a lot of self-care where, where we started with Alex this morning, really huge, right? Understanding what kind of self-care makes a big difference in how you're able to show up, what helps your brain. Is it sleep that makes a difference? Is it nutrition? Is it regular nutrition, you know, blood sugar levels? Is it exercise? What is it that keeps your brain working well for you? And what are the habits that, are, that you're capable of developing? And what is the scaffolding, which is the external structures that help you function better? And, and so Christopher, you described external structure, structures beautifully. You've got people who come and help you clean up your horizontal surfaces. And that's brilliant. Why should you waste your time when you're not good at that and you don't like doing it and you've got better things to do with your time? So good job, you're scaffolding it may not be diagnosable, but you're scaffolding unwillingness or an, a, I would say probably not, not unwillingness as much as not a strength as a weakness around reading things. You said that the written right word was a challenge for you, reading things and holding the thought to organizing, maybe thinking in categories. I don't know. Again, this beyond me to do without you chiming in, but you're, it isn't a strength of yours. And so you found a way around it. And here you are thriving an MCC with the podcast. Good for you. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. 
Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. And that's what that's what I'm hearing is that we don't necessarily need the diagnosis. And as coaches, what I'm learning is we don't need to shy away from, oh, you know, this person may have some issues. Right. We can actually go in and explore. And that's how the the book is so helpful. Um, the mm-hmm. processing modalities guide, which is available. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, is it organizercoach.com? Is that where we can find yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. That's right. Yeah. And um and I love the nuances because it doesn't really matter where the where the origin is, whether it's a you know chemical imbalance or brain based or emotional issue. It really matters how are we compensating for it in the world and how mm-hmm. do we choose to address it, right? So mm-hmm. I appreciate that so much because I noticed that when you mm-hmm. said, "Well, you know, we could send you for an assessment," I thought, "Yeah, we'll do that the day after hell freezes over," right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, for some of <laughs> yeah. us. Okay, so here, here's something I th- I want I want to say while we're kind of on that track because I think it's an important piece. So one of the things we understand as coaches is it's not our job to do therapy, and yet a lot of what comes up in coaching has you know emotional content for the person, and sometimes it's relevant. The client feels it's relevant to mention you know my dad was a whatever. I grew up in a family like this. We don't do that bio family, family of origin research or unpacking with a client, but we don't avoid clients' emotions because emotions are part of who they are. If a client can't move forward because of emotions, because they're so sad or they believe they're not worthy or whatever, we refer out to a therapist, right? Because that's not our job. It's ethical to to send them to, they deserve the professional that's trained to help with where they're stuck. You bet. So, if you've got a client who isn't able to show up and take action on the decided actions or manage their calendar well or you know keep track of what the good ideas were that came up in the coaching session and and you're working on that and that doesn't get resolved then i would say again this is time to refer out it, and it may be refer out to an assessment right a mental health assessment or refer to an ADD coach who is well-trained to work with people who have brain-based challenges around their functioning. Uh, More than half the people with ADD have another, at least one other brain-based condition, most often depression or anxiety, but very often uh, other things, right? Uh, So ADD coaches aren't really just aware of ADD. They're aware of a lot of conditions and this is where they work in the sort of what used to be called in coaching, the restorative coaching, helping people build a personal foundation of functioning so that they are, you know, their calendar works, they get their teeth brushed, they get good sleep, right? So that they can go out and then achieve their goals, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's the pragmatic or the practical thing that, you know, where the rubber meets the road that is our mm-hmm. dominion, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Alex wants to get in here, and I'm also eager to talk about coach training. You and I both uh, started our own coach training programs, and I'm eager to know what you would have all coaches everywhere learn. But Alex, I know you wanted to get into a different realm. Shall we, shall we follow your lead? Yeah, I think where where I'm looking is just closer to where we're at right now. So let's, how does, you said um, before we started, as we were kind of like getting to know each other, like before the podcast started, you're saying how you're getting invited to do so many talks and things right now. And so I'm curious how, what people are seeing or what you're seeing makes this conversation so relevant in the the world, the environment that we're currently in. Mm. Well. I think that there's a, obviously with what's going on in the streets and the politics, there's, we're looking a lot at diversity, at valuing contributions from people, at not making assumptions about uh, using our value, using my values as a white person to presume that I'm qualified to assess the value of a person of color. 
by uh, some white criteria that I'm that I'm not like jumping to those conclusions. And ACTO, the Association of Coach Training Organizations, has been working on diversity for several years now. And I've been watching from the outside because I, uh, variety of reasons, and kept seeing these programming and not seeing anything on neurodiversity. And I just felt like it it is not good to leave this aspect of the of human the human condition or the human richness you know out of the conversation so i i don't know if it's if it's that it's time but i do think that it is a piece of what it is a piece of of what we need to understand um after i spoke on this topic at acto one of the listeners said to me I was so moved by it because I keep thinking of all these people who didn't understand themselves well enough to explain themselves to other people so that they could actually work together or connect or love each other well or whatever. And then I turned on the news and saw what was happening in the streets. And I thought, and how much confusion about neurodiversity is going on there also. And I just burst into tears. This guy said it was, it was really, uh, it was really, really, really sweet. And I just think it's a piece of the conversation. I think it's an important piece of the conversation. And when people reach out for help and they don't get the help they need, if they don't have all the information, they're going to blame themselves. And I think, and think that they're, you know, wrong losers, whatever. And I think that's, a shame if we're, if that's what's happening in coaching because we don't understand all of what we need to to meet the needs of people who reach out to us. And that's sort of a nice segue to my point, which is what would you have coach trainers everywhere or coaches mm-hmm. who are interested in learning more? What would you have us mm-hmm. take on? What would you love for us to learn? Where would mm-hmm. you have us start? Mm-hmm. Okay, there's two pieces that, that I would ask of coach trainers. One is to look at their students and try to see them differently, especially the ones who are struggling, perhaps, or not complying in the ways that you kind of imagine they, quote unquote, should. And the other would be to look at your curriculum and see whether whether it is reflecting kind of embracing this idea of neurodiversity ignoring it contradicting it you know what shifts can happen and educating new coaches and yourselves about the about issues like coachability right you might see someone who i keep referring to this sort of hypothetical coaching client who can't really make great use of coaching right or doesn't seem to be engaged or motivated to make great use of coaching and and I think we can we think of them as not coachable when in fact they aren't coachable if they aren't being met where they're where the rub is right the where their dilemma is, which is activating themselves into function into functionality right and so that there's a shift in how we teach our students to meet clients and and to appropriately refer or to uh, or if you wanted to, to add the training, the kind of training that would get, um, you know, create the skill set in, in your coaches to do the work that ADD for coaches do, for instance, right? Um, right? Yeah, sorry, I was on mute for a moment, but because um, I wanted to make sure to capture your words. Is there a resource? Is there some place that we should start? I know that you offer a free resource. I know that you've written a book. Mm-hmm. Are these good starting places or is there some place that you sort of invite people to start their journey as they explore the world of neurodiversity? Are you asking about for coach training programs now or just for generally speaking? Uh, that's a good thing. That's a good question. I was thinking generally for all of us, but I'm imagining mm-hmm. that we're mostly speaking to coaches. And for mm-hmm. most of us, it, this wasn't a part of our coach training, right? So I think that... No, that's absolutely right. I'm, I may be wrong, but I think that we're all beginners in this conversation, except those of you mm-hmm. that have been in it for mm-hmm. 20 years already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I have a I have a PDF on the coach on the ADD coaching subculture, the ADD coaching field, subfield, whatever you want to call it. It has its own. It's compliant with ICF, but it has its own um, credentialing, its own accrediting of coach training programs, its own uh, core competencies. Again, complementary but different, right? To meet to meet the needs of clients with ADD, and it and it's. You know, ADD is a condition of executive functions, uh, developmental delays that cause executive function challenges, but any kind of stress, including any health condition, certainly including mental health conditions, also affect executive functions. So that's why I keep kind of heralding ADD coaching as a as our kind of best window in, in a even in a broad way to address neurodiversity. So I'm happy, you know, someone could poke around in that field, understand it better by looking at those things. Uh, that would make a difference. The in my training program, our advanced courses now our our foundation curriculum teaching, you know, the 60 hours of comprehensive coach training. Right, that's closed because I only teach to uh, productivity consultants or professional organizers. That's what my training program's about. But my advanced courses are open to any coach who has 60 hours of training. And a lot of them address ADD. So if you're looking for a recertification or even mentor coaching around those uh, ADD coaching core competencies, we offer courses like that. And uh, that's the, the coachapproachfororganizers.com website uh, that's offered there. And And so you know, exposure to the training could make a big difference. In when when Thomas Leonard was teaching his first cohorts of of Coach U people, he had he had uh, Mar uh, Madeline Griffith Haney was one of his early early students, first students, and she had an ADD, and we didn't even know adult ADD existed. And she thought coaching is perfect for adults with ADD. So that early that early she started teaching coaching to ADD coaches. It's, it's part, again, it's a sort of little hidden piece of our big family of coaching of coaching. Uh, it's so delightful to talk to people who have known Thomas Leonard or, or were around when he was around. Um, oh, I knew someone who knew him. That's what I have. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the website because I've got uh, different, I've got organizer coach. Dot com, but I heard you say yeah. the, the coach approach for organizers.com. Yeah, so organizer right? coach is my own website. That's gotcha. where my clients go. My book is there, the processing modalities book. But my coach training program is coach approach training. It's going to have a new URL soon, but it's still at coach approach for organizers. Yes, and it's our advanced courses that are open to coaches trained in other programs. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm thinking is is super valuable for those of us who are a little bit down the road with either our PCC or our MCC and are interested mm -hmm. in this. So again, that website would be the coach approach for organizers.com. Mm -hmm. no Did the. I get that right? Yeah. No that. No, no the. Just coach approach for organizers.com. <laughs> Great. And if you uh, can't remember all that or didn't write it down quickly enough, of course, it'll be on our show notes. But also, I want to uh, remind you that you can go to organizercoach.com. And also, that's another way to get to Denzel. Yeah. And those two sites are linked to each other. So it's pretty easy to jump back and forth. So you'll find your way there. Um, Alex, I know and appreciate that you brought sort of a worldview um, to your question. Is there more that you wanted to explore there? Well, I also want to make sure we touch on. Um, the giveaway that we have like that you, there's some we have a free there's a free gift that Denzel is Denzel awesome. you're so generous thanks what are we getting <laughs> well again you the list of uh, the sort of the window into the ADD coaching world is totally free it's pdf but I'm happy to give away a copy of my book um I is I do have it in uh hard copy but I also send out pdfs on it so either way uh really happy to do that as a giveaway. Yeah. That is wonderful. Thanks, Alex. Um, Denzel, will you pick a number between one and 20? What's your favorite number? Uh, I'll pick 18. Very good. If you are the 18th person to uh, write an email, electronic mail, you remember that. You don't, it doesn't require a stamp, uh, to producer at 
thecoachingshow.com, producer at thecoachingshow.com, you will get a free copy of the Processing Modalities Guide from Denzel Brown. That is so generous of you. Thank you very much. And if you're not the 18th person, then you will... Uh, or. No. You have a letter, you'll link in a letter from Christopher, which will have a stamp. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a heartfelt and uh, it's a lot about see Christian run. No, I'm kidding. Um, what I would uh, invite us all to do, though, is to go get that free PDF. Uh, I guess it's on your website with the ADD coaching resources, correct? Yeah, actually, it's not. It's sitting in my computer. So uh, I can make a copy available to you, Christopher, or or yeah. you can email me at denslow at organizercoach.com and I'll send it to you. Either. Yeah, whichever is easier for you. If you're uh, busy, as I understand you are these days, feel free to send it to us and we will make it available along with the show notes. And if you'd rather uh, people reach out to you directly, we can do that too. Denslow, um, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for being such a pioneer in this world. I wanted to touch on you, uh, on your accomplishment of creating coach training um, that sort of, organized around this and focused at different levels, right? Whether it's basic for people who do personal organization or whether it's advanced coach training for people like Alex and me. What, um, I guess the question for me is, as somebody who's also started a coach training program, what do you feel like it's brought you to have this coach training program to take on training people who go out there and give their gifts to the world? Mm. Well, I love doing it. And I think it's made me a better coach for sure to teach coaching. I, I was really inspired by my own experience of working with clients on site who were struggling. And even though I could get them cleaned up, right, the backlog and make it look great, they, it wasn't a maintainable or sustainable uh, system. And so my mission is to bring coaching skills to the organizing and productivity field. That's my goal is so that they learn to really listen to their clients and pay attention to how they think and partner with their clients to create systems that really suit them that actually, you know, what we do in coaching so familiarly help them think of, learn how to think of what works for them, what will work, experiment, fine tune it, rather than tell them our own brilliant organizing ideas. Right? So that's my goal. And uh, it, and that's what led to the whole program. So. I appreciate it so much. Alex, what else for you? Any parting thoughts or, or final questions you'd like to bring? I mean, I think the first thing is just that it makes me, you know, to come back to that question of like, first asking yourself, you know, how does your brain work? How do you best take in information or give out information? Um, and actually looking, you know, I'm, I, I feel pretty fortunate because as a little kid, I struggled with these things. And so my mom helped me figure these things out. So as an adult, I know movement and kinesthetic works way better than plopping me in a chair or having me look at a Zoom screen. Um, but I don't know that every other adults had the same challenges that I had. And so they just went along or maybe no one was paying attention to them. They just went along the route. So I think uh, it's great for people to listen to this and go, Hey, where does, where might I not function in like the traditional way? Um, and then look to look at our clients like that. I think that's a really cool thing for, for me to think about and you know, which of my clients seem to be the ones that are getting stuck or struggling or challenged. And maybe it has nothing to do with what we're doing. It's about how we're doing. So I'm, I'm excited to look at my clients with a new view. And I think listeners can really take that away, especially the coaches that are listeners. Is there anything else that you, want to leave coaches with that you're like they need to know this before they lose me because <laughs> they might not get you back for a while yeah i i just want to say that it, i love your takeaways alex i think it's really delightful that you're thinking about yourself in new ways that you're appreciating your mom and her insight into seeing your strengths and helping you find your way and that you're thinking about your clients in new ways reviewing your clients and thinking about who might this be true for I, I think that's great. Love that. And to Alex's point, uh, our time has been very valuable today. Is As we come to an end, is there a parting thought or a parting shot you'd like to leave a few thousand coaches with today? Mm -hmm. Yes, I would, I would say if you're frustrated with a client who isn't 
progressing, even though you're doing your best coaching with them, you're bringing your best to the table. Look, stop, stop and pause and look at, uh, look at other options. Ask them bigger questions. Ask them about how they think. Uh, ask them when it worked for them. What was that methodology? And think about it in terms of how does this person function best, right? I, that's what I would, that's what I'd love people to take away. It's a really great reminder. Thank you so much for being with us, especially how busy you are. And thank you so much for um, all the work that you do up there on the rocky top of the, <laughs> the mountains and Ozarks, <laughs> in the Ozarks. Um, it's delightful to meet you and to get some time with you. That's Denslow Brown. You can find more about Denslow and her work at organizercoach.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-Z-E-R, coach. Dot com or go to the I'm sorry I keep saying the coach approach for organizers no the no the people coach approach <laughs> now I can't speak coach approach for organizers.com and um, uh, write us that email and get a B number 18 and get a copy of the processing modalities guide for yourself uh, reach out and get that uh, PDF on ADD coaching resources and more let's all learn more about the various different sort of of um, neurodiverse uh, approaches to coaching and become even more powerful with our clients. All right. You two Any... were delightful. Thank you so much. I love talking <laughs> with you. Thank you. Would you say one of us was more delightful? Than... Never mind. We can. It's not a contest. I remember. Thank you so much, Denzel, for being with us. Um, Alex, any any final thoughts for our for our listeners, or maybe listener today? We can't. We don't know. I, I, no, I think I just shared what my uh, my biggest takeaways are and where I really think people can look. So, Very good. Uh, I and I did I personally did download the PDF, and uh, so I feel like I don't know I have some reading to do because I don't know anything about this except for how it shows up in my life. Yes. Yes. And a, what a great place to start and also consistent with your message at the beginning. That's Alex Terranova. You can find him at thedreammason.com or get a copy of his book, Fictional Authenticity. Where can people do the authenticity audit to find out how authentic they really are? Yeah, let's go, Christopher. <laughs> uh, at, <laughs> Did you just wake up? What happened right there? <laughs> uh, you brought up the authenticity audit. You know, you just you know get me excited. You push my where, buttons. Where can um, we do that? <laughs> uh, go to thedreammason.com and people can take. Uh, I think the fun thing about the authenticity audit is we make we we made up real questions. You know, like you're sitting at lunch with Christopher and he's got you know greens in his teeth. Mm -hmm. Do you tell him or do you not tell him because he might get mad at you? Um, but things that actually happen to real people in real life to discover how authentic you really are or how often you're hiding. Nice. Um, yeah. And the answer, by the way, if you're eating lunch with me is don't tell me because those aren't my teeth. Um, and I, of course, Christopher McCall, if you can find me at accomplishmentcoaching.com or right here on this podcast each and every week, I thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. Each and every week, we'll bring you people out on the cutting edge of coaching or somebody you just darn need to know about right here on Accomplishment Media or wherever fine podcasts are available. I thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.